bottom line. Welcome to the bottom line, everybody. Jakub Boyens here. I'm excited to talk about law enforcement and what the role of law enforcement is in a society, how that affects our fight in human trafficking. Um, but before I start, I want to talk to you about coffee because you are coffee drinkers. Most of you are coffee drinkers. So why don't you drink Storyville coffee? Every time you drink a cup of Storyville coffee that's in my my mug here at the moment, you help us save a life from sex trafficking. Storyville literally pours money straight from every single bag that is subscribed to into the fight against sex trafficking. So thank you to John and Esther and the team at Storyville, Melanie, Matt, Gary. Um, we love and appreciate you for standing with us to defend and protect uh, human lives. Women, children, men, boys from, from trafficking. And Storyville's logo and motto is love everybody. So subscribe to Storyville. Go to storyvillecoffee.com. They're the number one roaster in the United States. Award-winning. Uh, they ship it to your door fresh. Uh, it's fantastic coffee. And there's a lot of other goodies on their site. So help us fight trafficking by drinking a cup of coffee, which you do anyway. Ida D'Antonio Hangen. Yes. Welcome. Thank you. Ida, your your journey, we met in in not too unique circumstances for me where I go to college campus and I speak and you reached out and you were so gracious as a as an educator as a professor um, particularly with an incredible history in the work we do and I'll never forget when I got on stage that day uh, you had a play yeah and the play depicted uh, human trafficking and your student body got to observe and interact and engage. And, you know, it was really amazing. And, and I really appreciate that. A little bit about your history as an educator. Before we get to that previous history, you teach. I do. I do. I'm a professor at New Mexico State University, and I'm in the criminal justice department. And so the four classes that I teach are criminal investigations, human trafficking, forensic law, and criminal law. And so my favorites are the criminal investigations and human trafficking, uh, simply because I like to do hands-on practical stuff in those and also be human trafficking because it's, it's an important topic and we need to be educating others about um, this hor horrid crime. I, I think, look, at least for, and I travel a lot, mm -hmm. I, I mean, all over, and I engage with a lot of colleges, I think. In one year, I spoke at 35 college campuses, everything from Brown to UCLA, I mean, TCU, Texas A&M. Um, so I think I've got a, an interesting perspective on this. I really believe that out of all my travels, um, you're, you're the most proactive educator to help combat human trafficking that I've ever come across in higher education. We've got some teachers in high school, mm -hmm. school board members. I'm thinking of Julie Pickering and the Texas State School Board. They fight. But when we talk about professors mm -hmm. in the age, in the era where there's a lot going on on college campus, you are a champion for, th for the lost, the brokenhearted, the afflicted. But it didn't start there. This came with you. Right. <laughs> When you became an educator, right? Um, where were you born and raised? I was born in El Paso, Texas. Texas girl from the border. From the, exactly. Literally. Yes. From the belly of the beast. Right. Um, and then your journey, your path led you into the FBI. Yes, it did. What was that journey? Well, um, 
kind of to backtrack a little bit when I when I graduated with my criminal justice degree from UTEP I came out to the Dallas area and one of the first places that I was able to get some kind of law enforcement experience was at adult probation and then really you know FBI was my goal and uh, so I wanted law enforcement experience so I went out to uh, Dallas Fort Worth Airport DPS and um, became you know a firefighter and a police officer and then finally I was able to process through the FBI and um, they sent me to Las Cruces, New Mexico, where I did 22 years. 22 years in the FBI. Yes. In <clears> what <throat> divi- what was your f- critical focus within the FBI? So I was at assigned, a field office. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, I was assigned to uh, basically violent crimes. And so um, anything from like bank robberies to assaults on federal agents, um, you know, some like even some uh, drug and gang investigations. But uh, my major focus was crimes against children. And later when human trafficking started getting really big, um, I was asked to form a human trafficking task force and investigate that crime. So that's where my passion grew. And your territory would be what for those 22 years? Is it how wide was that territory? The state of Texas or? No, so I was in New Mexico. And so I was um, basically from half of the, if you look at New Mexico, half of the state. So like uh, right above or right below Socorro, um, and then down to Las Cruces, and then all the way to the Arizona border, and then all the way to, I guess, technically like Riodoso, New Mexico, which is in the So Port not Santa. crossing over into Texas? No. So, But you would work with field offices in Texas and, yes. and vice versa? Most of the crimes, when it's at the federal level, they, they cross interstate. Sure. Otherwise, you know, we can't prosecute them. And so, yes, all our, our crimes that we in, in investigated crossed you know, the, the lines at yeah. some point. Yeah. Or the border. Or the border, absolutely. Which is the ultimate line. Yeah. I mean, yeah, into the country. Help me understand, and for the viewer also just to understand, the process of going from law enforcement into the FBI. I mean, you, do you just get tapped on the shoulder one day? Oh, do you no. ap- Do you apply? <laughs> I mean, help talk through, and I know the process, mm-hmm. but help, th- because I want people to understand sure. the, the law enforcement background and the journey into the FBI. Yeah. So everybody has to apply the same way and you apply online. Now it's online. Back then you have to physically go into the office and uh, fill out that application and um, and they'd say, okay, we'll, we'll um, set you up for the test. And the test, you know, I won't say what it consists of in case that's, you know, an FBI secret. <laughs> let the let the applicants figure that out. But so you, you take a written test and, and things like that. And then when you pass, you get um, told, you know, you're going to go up in front of the interview board and um, there's three or four individuals that are interviewing you and situational questions and things like that. So you answer those and then if you pass and they set you up for your medical, your physical exam and a polygraph and things like that. And so when you pass all the little different processes, then, you know, they tell you, OK, you've made it. We're going to you're going to go to the FBI Academy on a certain date. How long is the Academy? The Academy now is, I think, 20 weeks. When I went through, it was only 16 weeks. Okay. Is is previous law enforcement experience required? It's not required, no. It's, it's It does help because you've already been dealing with the law and know how to, uh, you know, understand the, the, the stops and the probable cause and, you know, search warrants and, and different things like that. Uh, but you can have, you know, you all you need is two years work experience full-time and then a degree in really kind of anything now yeah. okay let's transition to uh to trafficking for okay. a second here and the through the lens of the fbi okay um, 
And I want to keep this conversation for that purpose agnostic of a particular regime because it it outlives the crime is outliving right. presidents yes and it predates our nation absolutely and, and so so you know i think so much i'd love to get your thoughts on this i think and we write a lot of policy and we champion a lot of policy and i think a lot of policy in this country is designed but it's designed with a particular moment in time in mind and the long-term thought for at least what I can tell a lot of, and we touched 144 bills this mm -hmm. last session, um, it goes by the wayside. And, and so we're finding, for instance, in family court, mm -hmm. right, a tremendous amount of inconsistencies mm -hmm. where, where certain bills negate bills. When you're law enforcement and there's the law, in something like the season that you walked through and we walked through when human trafficking wasn't discussed we had right. no uh, no state laws on the books right. pre-2015 which is when you were in there talk to me about whatever comes to mind in that transition of the older days without necessarily laws specifically to let's say minor child exploitation to where we are today uh, how much leeway does an FBI agent have, you know, kind of help us understand a little bit of that world from a sex trafficking perspective? Sure. So I guess before the, um, the human trafficking statutes were um, presented and, and passed, you had the White Slavery Traffic Act. And so that's kind of where uh, these cases would fall under. So we had a case in um, uh, New Mexico, uh, you might have heard about it, the toy box serial killer, the torturer. And it's David Parker Ray. So at that time, he was kidnapping women, mainly a lot of prostitutes, and then drugging them and then putting them in, torturing them in his um, toy box. And so at, when he was finally arrested, that's what they were kind of looking at to, to prosecute under that. And so, but after that, um, I, which I was having the main case agent on that come to my class and talk about that case, I mean, it would fall under sex trafficking. So it would be it would have been nice to have those federal um, yeah. laws in place at that time. Yes, at that time to give him uh, to be able to go after him federally as opposed to the, just the state charges that he had, that he uh, received. But um, but yeah, the the once we started, and I think what happened is it started first with the cr like crimes against children, and um, you know they needed a volunteer in the office and. I, I I was married, but I didn't have any children yet, and I thought, well, I'll do this, you know, because no, the other agents didn't didn't want to do it. It was too hard on them because they had you know kids and things like that, and so all I wanted to do was um, get these guys behind bars because of the fact that they were harming these children, um, making them pose in different sexual you know positions, and just it was horrible, and um, you know I couldn't I couldn't believe that and stuff, and so we had laws that were more um, at that time to to protect that. And, and if you traveled to meet a child, boom, there was a law that we could charge in order to arrest you for that. If you, um, not so much just uh, possession of, of uh, pornography, of child pornography. Um, sometimes at first it was, yes, we could charge, but then later because there was an identified, um, database, um, then they said, if, we, if the children aren't identified, then we can't charge. And so, that hurt because there's, you know, still know that there's children are being, being abused. abused. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so it was just like, it, it just, you know, boggled my mind. And we still, we still 
operate yes. with that today. Yes. Yes. You have to identify yeah. the child, and and it's and it's it's problematic. It is. Yeah. It is. And so, um, so I it, it stemmed from that. And so, looking at that, you you never heard really about children being um, trafficked though when I was investigating that. And so when um, human trafficking just came on the forefront, and it was two thousand nine. Then I was asked, you know, will you create this task force? We're going to assign you this crime now, and we want to start educating the, you know, federal, state, local, and so, you know, I think people still got it confused with alien smuggling, because I I remember Absolutely. having agents in yeah. the office going, hey, I got this case for you, and I would read it. I'm like, this is alien smuggling. It's not sex trafficking. So, it's so important to, to know what that crime really entails, and you know, obviously it's force, fraud, um, coercion of a person thrown into either sex trafficking or, or labor exploitation. And so that's when, um, you know, we created this task force and started educating anyone who would, who wanted to come. It wasn't just for law enforcement. And in that, that's when our cases started coming in because yes. people started getting, yeah. uh, understanding what it looked like. Yeah, so many of, of the survivors did not know they were victims. Right. You know, we meet weekly women and children, men, boys at times yeah. too who would say i i i was i was trafficked and i didn't know i yeah. didn't know that that was trafficking exactly. because what is normal for somebody is 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 not abnormal right. and if they're told and indoctrinated that it is normal um that that's that's their their life and exactly. the reality at that point um okay when did you leave the fbi um 20 18. And was that straight into higher education? Yes. Okay. Um, I did, uh, I, in between, um, I, there was a time where I was working at the children's camp when the kids started coming across the border unaccompanied. And so I worked about five shifts out there in the, uh, the children's camp. And I felt like, you know, some of these kids were falling into hands that shouldn't be in. Yeah. Yeah. The decision to leave the FBI was that a is that and maybe personal you may not be able to answer was it a family decision or was it more just I am looking for a career change? No, I I um I have a son and he was going to be uh, in eighth eighth grade that year and I knew I was eligible and I also knew I wanted to, to teach and so I was obtaining my master's my last few years before I retired and I wanted to be available for him throughout his high school um, and so everything lined up to where I got my degree. I hit the 22 years and I was already, you know, 50 years old. And so um, when I received the call that I had a, a human trafficking class funded at NMSU is when I said, okay, I'm going to submit my papers. And yeah, so it was just that I had already set out when I wanted to retire. Yeah. And and you've been teaching since. I have. And you're still teaching. I am. But even like today, you were, you were consulting us today still on cases we're working. You are in this fight. And, and look. We have to, in in really, in order to eradicate this crime, is we have to we have to educate culture, stop demand, exactly, stop the exploitation of of persons for self gratification. You right. can't arrest yourself. Would you Would you agree if I said, we will not arrest ourselves out of this problem, and we will not rescue ourselves, you know, out of this problem? It's not just rescue all the children, or arrest all the bad guys, because it is a moral it is. crime. It is. And it's difficult, and it's an individual thing of, of morality. Uh, how, what is life like as an FBI agent? I mean, what is what is that culture like? Yeah. Um, so yeah, every day is a little bit different, but I I, re I still remember when I when I landed in Washington D.C. 
and I loaded the bus that was picking up the um, applicants and new, new, new people, new cadets, I don't know what you want to call us. And um, I was the only one on the bus because I guess I arrived, you know, so late at night. But I, that feeling that, you know, you drive in and then you're in Quantico and then all of a sudden you see the FBI uh, Academy. You know, I, I still, it's, it's still, you know, I love that feeling. It, it, I'm, I'm like, I made it, you know what I mean? So, um, and then, you, you know, you train and you come out. And so every day is a little bit different. And, you know, um, some cases are long-term, some cases uh, are, are, are shorter. And so you just, it's never really a typical everyday, um, you know, life. You know, it, 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 you can get a case and like I said, you have to go do interviews and then do certain other steps. And you may not have the probable cause yet to maybe go arrest that person. Yeah. You got to keep, you know, and you work side by side with these federal prosecutors. So really, when you when you have a case, you, you consult them and say, this is what I have. And they'll tell you, OK, that sounds good. Make sure you do this, this and this for us to just, you know, keep pursuing it and everything. So you're constantly guided by a federal prosecutor. And, um, you know. So that's how the cases get to. And, and your prosecute. corporate climate, your corporate superiors in that kind of environment. I mean, and this is an opinion question. So in your opinion, I mean, has it changed? And and, and 22 years is a, is a right. let's just talk about that tenure, the 22-year tenure. Did mm -hmm. you see change? And things change by nature yeah. with culture, but I, I guess systemically, from 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 a, a a vision and a mission right of the fbi mm -hmm. right i mean yeah um you know the the mission is to protect the united states really from you know people from you know, the crimes of that are going to be committed against us and and things like that so i don't know that the mission has changed but sometimes the focus is on other things and um at that time it was human trafficking i don't know so much that it's the, the focus and I know I don't think anybody replaced me in my office um, when I retired to be investigating human trafficking because I, I know I've inquired a few times and they're like, no, nobody's nobody's investigating that. So then you have to go to, you know, the main office up in, in Albuquerque and see who's up investigating there or maybe down to El Paso and everything. So to me, it's like, OK, so that's not a initiative that they wanted to keep the focus on and it needs to be because it's you're talking more, about children more now than ever Every, yes and and it should never stop right because it's children which mm -hmm. is the future of america and they're exactly. americans yes and they do and they have the same freedoms and they deserve to be protected and so you know it's when law enforcement fails for whatever reason Right. It's not even pin the blame here on the individual or a system, you know, just when it fails for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And not just at the law enforcement side, but the, the judicial side, mm -hmm. the criminal justice system, mm -hmm. the Department of Justice. Right. In your opinion, is it difficult? Is it impossible? Is it challenging to run a society when when those systems don't function the way they're intended to function. No, you can't, you, you need the systems to function in order to not have chaos in your society. And if there's no consequences for trafficking children, and then there, it's gonna, you know, rise even more. There's gonna be more demand to, to be doing that. And so you have to have the consequences and, and have the laws in, on the books in order to, to prosecute these individuals and then put them away for a long time and not just let them get out in order to continue what they're doing with 
you know, trafficking children and things. Or, or see the cases played down to a different kind right. of a case and not, and this is what ha- what's happening Ida, with trafficking a lot yeah. at the moment. I mean, we're, we've got so many cases that we're managing. I think we're managing 17 at the moment. And, and the fear is always, or the concern is always that some district attorney is going to plead this down to a marijuana charge or a illegal, even kidnapping. Yeah. They'll plead it down to kidnapping or they look for priors. Mm-hmm. They love looking for priors and find, oh, there's three DUIs or there's, you know, a fugitive charge or it's whatever else. Probation, violation of probation. But we're talking about selling children for right. sex here. Let's get the guy for this. Yeah. And, and, and it doesn't necessarily happen often. Right. And when you're telling me that the, the office, the position you vacated stays vacant, that's consistent with what I'm finding across the country. Mm-hmm. You know, when defund the police happened, that movement, mm. if you can call it that, that right. insane concept right. that you could defund the police and, and have a society that's functioning is an absolutely absurd right. you know, notion. Right. Um, because we cannot do the work we do without law enforcement right. because it's the law. Exactly. And we want the guy to go away, which means there's always going to be some scumbag lawyer that will defend the guy and try and get him off. And right. if you make it easy, they'll walk. So, But I'm finding across the country that special task forces that were disbanded because of the lack of funding, because in defund the police, what my experience, the first element of law enforcement that was eroded mm-hmm. was crimes against children. Yeah. These special units. Yeah. You know, SVU. Um, uh, vice, right? Yeah. Th- they were just gone. Dallas Vice, two years, no vice. Wow. In in a in a major city, you're talking yeah. about a city that's touching close to 10 million yeah. people. DFW. And, and you know what people don't understand, unless you've worked with victims, is that there is a history there. There's a reason that, it, it, say, a woman is prostituting herself. She has a history, so she was, um, you know, drug into that. And that's all they know. Exploited. Exploited, exactly. Yeah. And so instead of looking to help, you know, you shouldn't just be, you know, trying to arrest them. And how about rescuing them and giving them some skills to be able to function in society? And so, you know, there was up until, I mean, I don't know how long ago, there's some state laws that still arrest juvenile prostitutes. Yeah. And it's like, why are you doing that to them? You know, they they're um, kind of been brainwashed to believe their trafficker because they usually start off as like the boyfriend method Absolutely. where they really trust them and love them. But um, then you have these stings and then they're, they're arresting these juveniles and that's not the right approach. Well, frankly, also the adults. I mean, every single case we've ever had, I've, I've personally never in 28 years fighting human trafficking, I've never met what the world would call a prostitute that is actually a prostitute and by definition somebody who had never been exploited was not coerced wasn't defrauded wasn't threatened with their life or safety security means food shelter love belonging right Right. that didn't then age out of the juvenile system right right? so we're talking about a person that just one morning wakes up and just says you know what it's going to sell my body over and over a day not for a season over and i've there there's a history there's a story and when you then have law enforcement that's not trained for that communication style right. at the point of arresting a pimp or in, intervening with her on what we call the track, right? Mm-hmm. And you relegate it to the local just cop. Yeah. 
uniform unit who who has to respond to everything from petty theft to you know auto theft to you know battery and assault you know whatever right right to to the road accident and all of a sudden there has to be a human trafficking expert right. to know how to speak to a victim. It's not happening. No. And and the system's failing there. Right. And we're putting an unholy pressure on the the cop who's not an SVU or vice. I didn't have that specific training. Sure, there's prostitution concept yeah. and law. And so they revert to just arrest. Right. Because what are they what, what are they gonna do? You yeah. know, and, and then when it's minors, it's really tricky. Yeah. And then we get into to other elements. How how frequently did you guys and ladies interact with other law enforcement, sheriff's departments, marshals? Uh, oh, we, we did it a lot. PD. We had we had um, task forces, and so um, with me being on the um, criminal side, we had a task force built, made of Las Cruces PD, uh, sheriff's office, marshals. And Border Patrol. And so we all worked together. And so multi-agency. Yeah, yeah. And so they were in there. And, and a lot of times they were looking more at like drugs and gang activity. That's how you can work together to get all aspects of it. Um, but anytime I had uh, where we did an, an undercover operation because we're, we're targeting, we want to um, arrest these pimps and we want to see if these girls need, need vic, uh, rescuing. So we would do, and it, it's a, it's man intensive. Yeah. And oh, so, hours. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and super. so we needed at least, you know, at least 30 on the ground surveillance in the hotel, um, you know, and the arrest team, the undercover and all that. But our purpose was not to arrest the, the, the girls who showed up. The purpose is to try and see who, who dropped them off. Where's their pimp? Let's go after them. That's right. The buyer. Exactly. Yeah. The John. So our, since these were undercover, um, the John was our undercover. Just yes, to, it know, was a re- it was a reverse yeah. thing. Yeah, and so, um, but we always offered these girls. It's like, are you being trafficked? How can we help you? And um, we only maybe arrested two that I can think of. One was ticketed, but uh, one who was just hardened. She was already in her fifties. Yeah, she was kind of like part the, of the crime. Yeah. she was the madam. Yeah. She was the recruiter, yes. the bottom exactly. girl, the recruiter. Exactly. She was actually become part of the crime. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, it's it's in, in a society today where we look at things and, and people say, well, Yaku, what is what is a, a ruling? I would I, I don't need, I can't even call it a law, but a ruling by a judge or a governor that you can't arrest anybody that steals under nine hundred and thirty dollars from a Walgreens. Right. Right. What, what does that do, Yaku, to your fight? Crime begets crime. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It's the notion that the law is not going to prevail that they're not going to come when we break the law. Mm-hmm. And so it begets other crime. There's yeah. a direct correlation. If you look at New York City, that does catch and release day of with pedophiles, right. literally. Yeah. A pedophile with a child is caught, it's, is booked, fingerprinted, and released with no, no bail. It doesn't make any sense. It, it's insane. Yeah. And, and somehow society then has to go, you know what, I, I won't do it again. it's not how this works I mean the consequence has to be there and so I think to a degree for me and and I've had so many conversations with New York PD and we work with law enforcement across this country I mean every three letter agency we've worked with them and we at times work with them the good, the bad, the ugly, Mm -hmm. the indifferent it's life people are broken, they make mistakes but it, it gets really challenging when you're standing with law enforcement in an operation and they are demoralized. Yeah. 
you know, like what's happening on our border at the right. moment. And, and they feel like, does this make a difference? Does it matter? Right. Three weeks ago, I'm with law enforcement and we we're on a particular case. And, and there was a moment where one of the individuals looked at me and just said, we, we've, we've rescued her five times yeah. before. What, what is happening yeah. with the rest of the system? Right. And she's back with the same pimp. Yeah. And, and so, because those agents, who they were, or officers, they're not judges. They're not prosecutors. Right. So they do their job, find the girl, the guy, and, and do the handover to Health and Human Services yeah. or CPS, right. right, or DFPS. And, and then they get a call from their superior, from the chief saying, hey, um, you need to go find Jessica again. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? We, we worked how many hours? Right. Thousands of hours. Right. We found her. We'll go find her again and again and again and again. Yeah. And, and it's very demoralizing. And I find that a lot. Yeah. Uh, I, and, and so, okay, that. The stigma, if it is, mm -hmm. or the portrait that Hollywood loves to paint mm. of the disdain between PD and FBI. Mm -hmm. Every movie scene, the FBI shows up and the cops badmouth them. It's like, <laughs> oh, here they come, the Fed. And the, and, right. and so, talk to me a little yeah. bit about that situation yeah no it's it's not reality um we we always work so closely with the with the locals um we need each other um it's not possible without. no yeah. absolutely no so those task forces that we had with you know they were they were amazing and you know we had some good people working and and they all you know different they try to rotate them out every so so many years and some of them get so attached to you know working on these task forces that they don't want to be rotated but I mean, you know, they sometimes hear more stuff than the FBI because they're they're on the ground. Local. They're in the the neighborhoods. They're the community. They, the they climate. know these these people who are on the streets, giving them information that gives us, you know, information. So yeah, we we work closely together. And like bank robberies, it's a federal it's a federal crime. But who gets the button? The panic button goes to the PD first. So they are always the ones that respond first, and then we come along. It's like what have what needs to be done, you know, and then we work uh, together. And then after a while, they'll say, "Okay, well, you guys have the better hit. Take it federally," you know. So cases are talked about. It's like, okay, you're going to keep it and this and that. But they know that there is going to be more of a, a prison sentence if they take it federally. And so, so really, there's there's never really been. Up. I mean, do you have some issues sometimes? Yeah, sure, that's that's common. But that's human but, nature. Yeah, exactly. But, but for the it, most yeah. part, you work together. Yeah, because, and again, that's my. Now I'll say this for, for the viewer who goes, "Oh, is Yaku going soft on the FBI?" Yaku is <laughs> not going soft on the FBI. Ida's no longer in the FBI, <laughs> and I can say things she won't say. I can't say, "No, I'm not. I'm not going soft on the FBI." The FBI at the moment in 2023 is failing the American people, and I'm not talking about the agent that leaves his family that puts his suit on or his civvies and kisses his wife goodbye or her husband goodbye and, and doesn't know what the, or the officer, the cop that doesn't know if he's walking into an armed robbery or, or, or a road accident yeah. or, or, you know, I'm, not ta I'm talking about leadership and, and it's evident, it's completely evident that justice, overarching justice, the DOJ, the FBI, the CIA, local police department, we have a justice problem in America at mm -hmm. the moment of 
ju- Lady Justice being blind. Exactly. We just need to. Sh- Lady Justice needs to just be blind. She needs period. to be blind. Period. Innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. Uh, you you have the right to be in front of a jury of your peers, to defend yourself or to make the accusation and say that man did this and let the jury decide, not a DA pleading it down. And so, so politics is the sport of the day. Mm-hmm. Politics is the celebrity of the day. And so, no, I'm not going soft because we have had very, very difficult, difficult times with mm-hmm. law enforcement uh, in, in all levels, mm-hmm. whether it is a deputy sheriff, a sheriff, Secretary Mayorkas yeah. on the border, whatever, and all the way up and down the ladder. This is America. Justice has to be blind. Yeah. And, and we need justice and we need law enforcement and we need the, the DOJ. Something that's really bothered me, Ida, for a long time is human trafficking, which is so broad. Mm-hmm. You know, we labor trafficking, debt bondage, et cetera, et cetera, and then sexual exploitation and then sexual exploitation of minors because it's two sets of laws, 17 and under, 18 and over, federal statutes, state statutes. I mean, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. What has bothered me is that human trafficking as an entity sits under the Department of Labor. Yeah. Why in the world? And I and I asked this question in the White House under the Trump administration, physically standing in the White House. Mm-hmm. Why is it not under the Department of Justice? Funding earmarked intensives, trainings, initiatives, and then it takes an executive order by a president to fund the U.S. Marshals to initiate operations. And all of a sudden you go and testing operations and you got FBI, local sheriffs, you got everybody working together and it's 150 arrests. But it, and, and, I, and to, to, to a degree I understand on the labor trafficking component, it's a labor issue. Yeah. Okay, but, but we're talking about our predominant issue here is not labor trafficking, and we have a lot of labor trafficking. Right. Debt bondage. Yeah. But sex trafficking, sexual exploitation yeah. is through the roof. It's exploded, yeah. and yeah. we need that under the Justice Department. Yeah. My opinion. Right. And it is, well, it is under the Justice Department because they have, you know, that, that purview falls under, you know, sure. FBI and, and HSI, you know, and they, they go through that. But, um, but I had some, I had a few human um, labor exploitation cases that we were able to, well, take one got to play down, but one um, we took to trial and then the jury found them not guilty. So we, we were able to do some of those and everything. But, um, but you're right. I mean, should the labor uh, department come in also and assist? Yes, because the more, more hands on you have, it's like, okay, if we didn't get them with this, then can we get them with this? But that's my approach, right? And we had this conversation in our office this morning. There's a case we're working, super complex. How do you eat this apple? What's the first bite? And then strategically thinking. But my understanding, though, is at Congress and at the congressional level, and we were talking about appropriating funding, because when you talk law enforcement, you're going to talk funding. Yeah. It's always funny. Federal level, maybe it's a little different because the FBI is very well funded. But when you start talking to, to Sheriff Brad Coe in, you know, in, in Texas on the border, mm-hmm. that literally our organization had to buy him a drone, mm-hmm. had to buy night vision. I'm talking about, you know, had to put tires on his vehicles. Right. 
an NGO. Yeah. That's a failure of the system. Yeah. Somewhere, something's not right. Yeah. I mean, we are relegating these guys to say, to, for all intents and purposes, defend the country. Right. Defend the country. Against yeah. what? We don't know. Terrorism, national security, human trafficking, labor trafficking, who, who knows what. Right. But defend the country. Yeah. Right. And, and they go, uh, funding. And so funding for me, when, when you position it under the Labor, labor Department, Justice Department, ultimately in Congress and the Senate, it's appropriating funding. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we, we're losing the battle with funding law enforcement appropriately, which leads to making recruiting very difficult. Mm -hmm. I know for a fact in Houston, one of the largest recruitment centers for, for, for PD in the nation, they had to lower their, their standards. Their standards. Mm -hmm. so, so as a society, we're saying we want more from cops. Yeah. We want a higher standard, but don't fund them. Yeah. But now we can't recruit. Right. Now you lower your standards, mm -hmm. and it's a vicious cycle. It is. So, so and there's a shortage all over the United States. So it's it's dramatic. Uh, yeah, it's not I, good. I think at the moment of this taping, we're between two and three thousand officers short mm -hmm. in Dallas PD. Thousand. Wow. So now the yeah. the stress and the pressure compounds on the other officers. Yes, definitely. Who are human beings? There's right. people in those yes. uniforms. Yeah. Fathers, mothers, sons, yes. daughters. So, um, your faith. Talk to me about your faith. Ah, all right. As a component, <laughs> briefly, yeah. within being a professor, former law enforcement, and, 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 and an advisor and a consultant, but your faith as a mother. Yeah. You know. Well, I couldn't have done, you know, the law enforcement or any part of life without Jesus Christ. I mean, he's that's my foundation always has been. Um, but I've never walked closer than I am, you know, the last couple, few years. And I don't know how people manage without having a savior like, like, like Jesus, you know, um, all, you know, problems I, I go to him, he, he leads me. Um, I, I can't say enough. I mean, it's just all my happiness. Everything just comes from having that faith in him. And your purpose. And my purpose. That, absolutely. Yeah. So whenever I see others that are broken, it's like I try to lead them that way. It's like, let me tell I you about echo, Jesus. I echo your thoughts. I think it is a very, very difficult journey. Yeah. This thing called life. Yeah. Is a very difficult journey when when you are your own deity. Yeah. When you are God or yeah. void of God. Because somebody's God. Yeah. There's no such thing as, well, there's just an atheist. There's nothing. Somebody's in charge. Right. So who's in charge? Right. And if, if it really falls on your shoulders, that gets really difficult when, when sickness of loved ones comes in or right. when, when money can't fix the problem. Right. You know, in our world, no matter who the family is, when a child is broken, mm -hmm. yeah, fix her. And it's not just fix her. Right. It's you got, now we got to pray. Now yeah. we need the Holy Spirit to come in. Now exactly. we need redemption and healing exactly. that you can't buy. No. And that's the problem with, you know, the, 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 the John today, the trafficker, it's all about pride. They have such pride that they can't, you know, get past that and see, and see the love of Jesus Christ. And that's, a, that's a problem, you know, with all the crime, the ultimate sin, the ultimate sin, pride yeah. and pride become, you know, comes before the fall. Yeah. And, and there's no question. And, exactly. and it's interesting that you, that you reference that. And, and I think. I think it's the only way. If if anybody's in law enforcement today, with the stuff right. they see and the stuff we see, right. I mean, 
you you can't it's not sustainable on your own human nature you just you just cannot and i think that's why culture it's easier for culture to to just say you know what we'll just give in a little bit Mm -hmm. is porn porn really that bad Yes, yes it is yeah it's the feeder drug yeah it's it's a it's a destructive force it is. In in our culture, I, I can talk to you for days <laughs> and days. Please come back. I will. Thank uh, you for let's having me. Have some other conversation. Thank you for your service to our country. You're Thank welcome. you for uh, speaking truth into young minds on the college campus welcome. and for being bold with your faith. God bless you. You too. Talk to you guys next time. <laughs>